0: Ah! Please clap. It it's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison.
1: All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. <clears throat> here we are in the Mac Hike Studios. And this will be the final edition of the uh, Mike Madison Show, at least for the, for the time being. Uh, this is my last day. I am leaving for an outside career opportunity, Something I've some work that I have done independently, uh, but I was offered a job to do this as a permanent gig. It's uh, going to be a heavy travel position, and I am, uh, I'm kind of ready to explore the country. My kids have flown the nest. They are out doing their own things. I have uh, really enjoyed being in the the Madison area raising kids. Absolutely a fantastic place to be, but I have a a bit of wanderlust. And uh, the position I'm taking will have me crisscrossing the country for anywhere from about six to nine months a year. And I'm actually pretty excited about that. Uh, Mississippi has been, been a great place, been my home for most of my life. But you know, there's times we forget that there are mountains and deserts and uh, redwoods. I didn't get into the flatness of Mississippi. I, I'm somebody who can get a little bored, a little antsy from time to time. This has been why I've had a series of different careers and uh, have moved on. And so this is just putting another chapter in the book. It's very interesting. I was... Thinking about it today, I'm going to make a little bit of the kind of the closing arguments, maybe, would be the way to describe much of this show. Closing arguments for a libertarian philosophy. And you can, I don't know if the Republicans have been completely successful in trying to marginalize the idea of libertarianism. God knows they've tried. It has maybe even annoyed people that I've couch it that way. I was heartened to hear a libertarian candidate for president on the Clay Edwards show this morning. At the same time, I think Clay said, you know, I really enjoyed talking to that guy. He made some interesting points. I'm, you know, banging on my steering wheel at the time saying, this is what I've been telling you. <laughs> but I'll make a little bit of the, uh, the closing arguments uh, for, for the philosophy, why I believe what I believe, and just some thoughts. It was interesting. I was uh, Allison Noe, who I've had on the health show for the past several weeks, Uh, She will be taking over the health show. I believe it's going to be on Tuesdays instead of Wednesdays. She will title this and take it to make it her own. She's a very capable person in that. I'm thrilled to death. Nothing makes me happier than to know uh, that there will still be a, a natural health show going on. I think it's one of the most valuable things on radio, not because of me, but because of the just the message of it, that you're in control of your health. So Allison Noe will continue to go. But it was funny. I was talking to her the other day. Uh, she'll be on. Clay will be with her. Clay Edwards will be be with her during that time. Clay obviously knows how to run the studio. But I was showing her kind of how to run the studio. And I'll tell you what I think is a kind of a funny story. When I first got this job at WYEB back in 2017, I started on January 3rd of 2017, and when, uh, when the station owner, Matt here, uh, allowed me to have a show, I was kind of surprised, actually. I had done some podcasting, but I had no radio experience outside of being the brother of a sister who worked at WZZQ. Uh, when, he, when he offered to hire me, I really wasn't sure if—I I know I didn't lie about it, but I didn't have any level of experience— but there was about, a, uh, probably about four weeks between when we decided that I would host a show and my starting date. But I was so concerned about showing the fact that I had absolutely no experience in over-the-air radio that I didn't want to ask, uh, what the hell do I do in the studio? So I remember I didn't want to ask for any training because I thought maybe he was under the mis- misimpression <laughs> that I had experience. So I didn't say a word. And then I sat down during the news break before the first show, and I looked at the board, and I called the owner in, and I said, I've never worked with this particular board before. What do I do on this board? <laughs> and I learned uh, during the first show what buttons to push, uh, how to watch the schedule, how to take the breaks. Uh, I did it on the fly, all because I was scared to death to narc myself out for having no experience. So it uh, doesn't take much. doesn't take much. It was... Uh, Kind of interesting. I, um, I'm i not the most intellectual spokesman for libertarians. I don't think I'm a dumb guy, but I'm not a well-read. You'll talk to some libertarians because it's a philosophy. Understand that there is a difference really between the libertarian party and libertarian philosophy. And it, the libertarian philosophy is really about peace and freedom, seeming to be two fairly attractive things. But you'll run into a lot of libertarians that have read a ton of uh, Murray Rothbard and Ayn Rand, and you know there are just a lot of a uh, lot of great libertarian thinkers out there. As I say, it's a philosophy. Republicans don't have philosophers. Now you've got your Thomas Sowles, who will write incredible books, but libertarians really—it's a philosophy about peace and free markets. You know the best solutions to our problems. Uh, I'm not the most well-read. So when I say I'm not the most intellectual spokesman for libertarians, that's really – and I'm kind of not the academic libertarian guy. I'm not the most eloquent presenter of the concepts of real freedom that I think people deserve in the way this country was designed. To me, it's really just common sense. I've said it many times. I started my, my political philosophy – I just wouldn't even be called a philosophy. Uh, I started out as a Kool-Aid-drinking, neocon, warmongering Republican. But it didn't take me too long, probably about 10 or 12 years of that, to realize that trusting the political class has created a mess. And the people running the show are corrupt at the, just at institutional levels. This has become more and more apparent, uh, specifically after the last five years, I would say. And I continued to believe, I thought Republicans were going to deliver it for me, but then I saw they had no intention. I continued to believe that I'm a free human being. And I don't want a corrupt political class, regardless of party, to run my life and make decisions for me. I don't think they have the intellectual ability to rule me. I don't think they have the integrity to rule me. And I don't think they have the authority to rule over me. So that's my approach to libertarianism. It's really kind of common sense. And I think a lot of people, probably on a one-on-one conversation with people, they would believe the same things, but then they become... They're brought under the fold of one of the two major parties who tell them that they need to do the fighting for you, that they're going to take care of you, that they're going to provide you safety from whatever. And so uh, my thoughts and opinions of this stuff, however, are not new. And I, uh, I've i used quotes of the day to show that you know, freedom fighters, even before this country's founding, have expressed these same kinds of beliefs. And I believe that real freedom, the freedom that libertarians would like to see for people in this country, is like the lost knowledge of ancient civilizations at this point. You just, people cannot even remember. People forget there used to not be an income tax. People forget there didn't used to be a drug war. You didn't used to need a permit for everything you did. We didn't operate by permissions We actually had free markets and real freedom here. And people forget there didn't used to be a Federal Reserve, a central bank, to destroy our money and push wealth up to the 0.01%. These things things are actually within the history of even the United States, but certainly uh, the world. Uh, These things are new, new here in this country. So when I come back, I'm going to continue on with quotes of the day. i got a bit of a stack of them. I'm going to call some of my favorites. And you'll recognize some of the people quoting these things. And I would imagine for a lot of people, the people who said these words were very well respected uh, by conservatives and Republicans. So I'll start my closing arguments for the day with uh, several of my quotes of the day. Stick around. I will be right back.
2: I went home with a waitress The way I always do I don't know She was with the too.
1: All right, we're back uh, all right if you're listening on the podcast, you might not have heard it. that intro music that, uh, that I just played. What's the frequency Kenneth? That is a song by REM. The funny thing about it and one of the it gives me a chuckle every time I hear it. I believe that song is about I think that's what the uh, somebody attacked Dan Rather. And was arrested and was obviously quite insane. But I believe that's what they kept saying was, what's the frequency, Kenneth? And I believe that's where that song came from. Uh, if, if that's not accurate, then I'm I'm laughing about nothing. But uh, it still kind of cracks me up. Uh, I wanted to do some of these quotes of the day and finish, uh, finish them with an interview that Whitney Webb, she's a fantastic investigative reporter that she did with Glenn Beck. It's about an hour long. If you want to go search for it, it's very interesting. I've come to have an appreciation for Glenn Beck, and uh, the clip that I play will kind of explain why. But quotes of the day today, maybe a little bit longer. I'm kind of, a, as I say, this is my closing arguments to take counsel from wiser men than I on the way out here. Uh, Murray Rothbard, he is a libertarian. You know, he's kind of a, a philosopher to, to libertarians who believe in real freedom, and this is what he said. Hopefully people will take this correctly. He said, I grew up a right winger. I got out of the right wing, not because I ceased believing in liberty, but because a libertarian above all become uh, because being a libertarian above all. I came to see that the right wing specialized in cloaking its authoritarian and neo-fascist policies in the honeyed words of libertarian rhetoric. And really what that means to libertarians is much of the right wing actually demands their own level of authoritarianism if you start thinking about really what the Republican Party preaches. They come and they talk to you really with a lot of libertarian catchphrases. You earn your money, you should keep it. They talk about small or limited government while they grow the government, and that was the big awakening for me. I'm going to repeat several things I've said over the years today. But it was when the Republicans voted for Medicare Part D and uh, enacted under George W. Bush in a Republican Congress the largest entitlement since the Great Society under Lyndon Johnson. And I looked around and said, What the hell? I thought you guys were for small limited government. And that's when I realized that they are big government statists paying off their pharmaceutical masters. This was, I think, in 2005, 2006, something like that. And several of the sponsors of that Medicare Part D, which many seniors are still enjoying at taxpayer expense right now so that they can take endless reams of pharmaceutical products, Uh, many of the sponsors of that bill parachuted out. Some of them left before their terms were even over to go work for Big Pharma. It's hard to unsee that. But what the Republican Party did with Medicare Part D, to Murray Rothbard's quote, is essentially... Uh, What they did was they grew a giant government program. They took money from all of the people out there working, and they gave it uh, in uh, in form of subsidies to pharmaceutical companies for the benefit of people who were on Medicare. That's authoritarian. If you're working right now, you are paying Pfizer for a retired person's drugs. Right now, up to and including today and they're not the prices are not cheap they even put in the legislation that the government could not negotiate lower prices even though they were the largest purchaser of pharmaceuticals on planet earth the republican party to pay off their pharma masters put in there you can't negotiate lower prices for the bulk purchases you're making and so within the republican party there's a lot of libertarian rhetoric there's a lot of things about freedom and prosperity and free markets and limited government uh, not a lot of delivering on that. There's some great Republicans out there who do believe those things. They are in the minority, uh, but we did see the minority roar just recently in the House of Representatives. So maybe there is some cause for optimism to me. To me, libertarianism really seemed to be a natural path from conservatism once you realize, <laughs> once you realize that the political class and certainly the Democrats want nothing but bigger, more intrusive government. And once you realize, if you're a freedom lover, that the GOP is not actually going to do anything substantively to shrink the government and its size and its power, they're not just going to let go of the status quo, at least not in the Republican Party current uh, form. So I'm not sure why I was, should have clung to that. All right, other quotes of the day today. This, was, this is an interesting one and something people should keep in mind. This is a former Bank of England director, Josiah Stamp not sure when he served but again this is the bank of england director josiah stamp he said banking was conceived in, e- in equity and was born in sin the bankers own the earth take it away from them but leave them the power to create money and with the flick of the pen they will win uh, they will create enough deposits to buy it back again However, take it away from them and all the great fortunes like mine will disappear and they ought to disappear for this would be a happier and better world to live in. And he finishes with, but if you wish to remain the slaves of bankers and pay the cost of your own slavery, let them continue to create money. So this is the former head of a central bank, just like the central bank that we have here. Is the Republican Party taking any action to dismember this central bank? No. There are some people that are moving to audit it, those few freedom fighters up in Congress, but the Republican Party doesn't even really talk about it, do they? It's interesting. One of the most destructive forces on the average American is a central bank that has inflated away the value of our dollars, and you're suffering under the inflation of it right now, and the Republican Party doesn't even mention it. Is that odd to anybody else? Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations, entangling alliances with none. Thomas Jefferson. I'm giving you some of my favorites. Thomas Jefferson also said, commerce with all nations, alliance with none, should be our motto. Benjamin Franklin said, there never was a good war or a bad peace. George Washington said overgrown military establishments are under any form of government inauspicious to liberty and are to be regarded as particularly hostile to Republican liberty. That is George Washington, General George Washington, who led the fight to give us our freedoms. He tells you overgrown military establishments are not good for uh, liberty. I think I'll, uh, I'm will i going to save this next one for—we'll do a little bit of foreign policy. I'm not going to do my regular segments today, but we are going to touch on some foreign policy where False Flag Friday normally is. This is on uh, political parties. These are quotes about political parties from the Founding Fathers. As I say, I'm not the most eloquent spokesman for freedom. I ain't the most learned— But I think there's a lot of admiration for our founding fathers. Here is George Washington on political parties. He says, Let me warn you in the most solemn manner against the baneful effects of the spirit of party. There's another uh, quote of his from his farewell address. This is September 19th of 1796. George Washington said, The spirit of party serves always to distract the public councils and enfeeble the public administration. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms, kindles the animosity of one part against another. This is 230 years ago he spoke these words as a founding father. And where do we find ourselves now? We've never seen more ill-founded jealousies, false alarms, and animosity uh, between the two parties. John Adams said about political parties, he said, There is nothing which I dread so much as a division of the republic into two great parties, each arranged under its leader and concerting measures in opposition to each other. This, in my humble apprehension, is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under our Constitution. That is John Adams explaining to you that the two-party system is, in his humble apprehension, I wanted another shot at that word. I bungled it so bad last time. This is John Adams saying, in his humble apprehension, the two-party system is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under our Constitution. And here is my favorite quote of all of the years, because it's so accurate. And if people would take a deep dive within themselves and do a self-examination to find out if you have been bamboozled, this was a Carl Sagan quote. Carl Sagan said one of the saddest lessons of history is this. If we've been bamboozled long enough, we tend to reject any evidence of the bamboozle. We're no longer interested in finding out the truth. The bamboozle has captured us. It's simply too painful to acknowledge, even to ourselves, that we've been taken. Once you give a charlatan power over you, you almost never get it back. Americans have suffered the great bamboozle. I don't care what political party you're in. I don't care what political savior you believe you could should line yourself up behind. <laughs> uh, and the, this, this is also, this, this can go to the COVID stuff. This can go to our endless wars and people's support of what we've done around the world. It is the great bamboozle once you give a charlatan power over you, you almost never get it back. I am that almost. You can get it back. Don't ever be afraid to admit you've been bamboozled. I have. You have. And if you find yourself still in love with a politician or a party, you're still being bamboozled. Just see, the, the difference is whether you're able to admit it to yourself or not. This is Whitney Webb on the Glenn Beck Show. She's written a book called uh, The United States of Blackmail, I believe it's called. Uh, it's like 900 pages. I have not read this thing. <clears throat> I will admit to my laziness, I have just watched a ton of interviews with her, with her where she really connects the dots of the elite class and how they have, are all intertwined and you know what has gone on over decades to lead us to where we are right now. Uh, she's talking to Glenn Beck. And, and they talk a little bit about this battle, particularly for the parties. And I think Glenn Beck starts by asking if she's optimistic. She's laid out the case for decades and decades and decades of bipartisan corruption around the world in foreign policy and economics, just everything. And then she particularly kind of cut her teeth on the Epstein Uh, issue and started looking at all of his connections to intelligence services of government, uh, his connection to money laundering and fraud on Wall Street. I mean, it is the Jeffrey Epstein story is very deep, very long, very, very twisted. It's not just child sex trafficking. Not that it can get any worse than that, but it's not that. Uh, So she started really doing a dive on him and she just kept finding these names that are all these relationships and wrote a book about it. No, but this is Glenn Beck talking to Whitney Webb, and I just clipped this little part of what is a almost an hour and 20-minute uh, interview between the two of them because <clears throat> this is a point I've been trying to drive home for six years. Do you have hope at all that
0: the if the Republicans could win, it at least slows it down? I mean, I think people in the Republic, there's there's clearly people who go to Washington and actually believe it. And then are turned, uh, or they go to wash and They're already a dirt bag, and they know what they're getting into. Yeah. And then there's a few that go and stand and are trying to hold the line. But
3: they're a minority.
0: A big minority. Or they
3: get forced out. Correct. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ron Johnson, right? Mm -hmm. um was the one that that challenged a lot of COVID narratives and i mean even mainstream media npr supposed to be objective says oh he spreads conspiracy theories and his challenger's a rising star and you know i mean they're very clear about who they favor and who they don't and if they don't want you to win they'll gerrymander your district they'll do so i mean there's lots of tools and that they can use to uh prevent you from from staying in office and who knows what we'll, uh, see in the midterm elections. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it, those type of people that are willing to stand their ground and actually fight for the American people are very few. Um, even in, it doesn't really matter what party you're talking about. It's very small number when you consider the amount of votes needed to pass certain legislation. Yeah. Um, so I think ultimately, Uh, The way out of this is for the American people to realize that we, yes, this is a fight between good and evil. But if you're looking for the good guys, stop looking at people that are put on the TV screens in front of you and start looking at your neighbors. Yeah. And And the
0: answer is so clear. Local, 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 local. Yes,
3: absolutely. And this is really us versus them. It's not left versus right anymore. We are so (laughs) far beyond that.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. I think it's been a constant refrain of this show, maybe ad nauseum. It might drive people crazy. Uh, but as I've said over and over again, we're all getting screwed by the same people. I know there's some Democrats listening to this show. I get some emails to that effect or some calls from time to time of people who disagree with me. But I don't think I engender a whole lot of hate on the left because I've that's not really my target. I don't play that left-right game. This is not all Democrats are bad and evil show. No, it is appealing to everybody to understand. It, this is no longer in this country, around the world. The World Economic Forum, so a lot of these big moves, this left versus right stuff, it's the it's the minor league stuff. It's the entertainment, it's the control mechanism. And I think we're gonna realize in some fairly short order i don't know i won't be here to narrate it you're going to find out that it is not you versus your left-wing neighbor or your trump supporting cousin never was never should have been it is us versus them and the them knows no party they know no ideology they know power and profit and those are where the our anger should be targeted i think they go on to just a couple other things here real quick
3: uh really and... and
0: it's amazing and very heartening how many people that i know and i interview that um we would have we would have been against each other 15 years ago we would have say oh you're and now it's like no 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 forget all of forget all of that yeah you know and it's heartening that people are waking and starting to come together question is do we make it fast enough? I, I've been saying for a while, this is going to be a photo finish. I, I don't know which one's going to.
3: I don't think anyone really does. And I think it comes down to how much responsibility people are willing to take for their own lives. And, and you know, how, how far communities are willing to go to ensure right. that they're self-reliant in the what face of that what we're facing. What does that mean to you?
1: So that's pretty much it. The thing I admire about Glenn Beck, because it is true. He'll have people on this show and treat them with some respect that he might disagree with on a whole lot of policies, but maybe Glenn Beck has moved on. He said 15 years ago, and I was, you know, the same way. I was a partisan. I took my talking points from Fox News Sunday every, every Sunday morning and went out and regurgitated them to fight for my team, my tribe. You know what that got me? Medicare Part D, endless wars, an empowered Federal Reserve, $32 trillion in debt, failing education system a failed war on drugs, corrupt political class, COVID lockdowns. <laughs> the list is long. I don't have my notes. But the, the battle is no longer, in my opinion, the, the substantive battle. There certainly is a battle. And I know there's a lot of people listening to me saying, oh, you don't understand. The left has lost their mind. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a strategy for that <laughs> that I'll get to in the show today. But Whitney Webb is exactly right. It, this, is, this is not... Left and right, that is the distraction. You know, it's it's interesting. What it what it reminds me of, what it reminds me of, is uh, gladiators. And it's probably, I don't know, maybe it's a parallel to the uh, to the fall of the Roman Empire. I don't know. Maybe gladiators were going when the Roman Empire was at its peak too. But gladiators, you know, essentially they would take two slaves, and they would put them into the ring. And the elites, and then the, you know, the commoners and the cheap seats, the elites would watch these people just fight to the death. The two people in the, in the arena were both slaves. But the king, the emperor, found it amusing, along with his, the senate and the rest of them, to sit in the stands and watch the two gladiators go at it. Uh, the difference between then and now is that those two gladiators, they still knew they were slaves. And they might fight the other slave to survive in that scenario, but they still knew they were slaves. The difference between what I see in the political world right now, the fighting between right and left, black and white, whatever it is, you don't realize you're all slaves. And you were fighting for the amusement of the elites up in the stands. And it was known to give the peasants in Rome these kinds of spectacles so that they would be distracted. Bread and circuses. Give them bread, give them entertainment, and they will not pay attention to what the rulers are doing. So they'd give them these little entertaining shows. But if you, we've seen these things, the great movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe. You've seen that where the king sits and eats his grapes and he drinks his wine and he watches the slaves duke it out right in front of him. And his power is unaffected and the people are distracted by this, this entertainment. That, I believe... As an observer of the system, somebody who doesn't carry water, doesn't belong to either tribe, as an observer, that seems to be what I'm observing. Slaves in the arena, fighting each other, while the king looks on with a sip of wine. Be right back.
3: Well, it would have been, could have been worse than you.
1: All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB, and the last of the show. Going to wrap up this week. Uh, Buddy of mine pointed it out earlier, but don't think it wasn't unnoticed. I am wrapping up my show on Friday the 13th. I don't know what that means. I am a man with superstitions. (laughs) I can't decide exactly what ominous sign that is or if I, I don't know. I don't know how to interpret it. I'm starting a new career, leaving another one on Friday the 13th. Uh, I may be back in a few weeks. <laughs> maybe uh, uh, maybe that's a sign for me, but we'll see. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've gotten so frustrated over the past couple of years with with politics. Uh, things like inflation. I've railed against that on the show. Joe Biden is possibly the worst. It's certainly the most. At least and I know in modern history, I'm not a historian, but he's certainly the most mentally incompetent uh, real creature of Washington that we have ever had in the White House in modern times. He's absolutely horrific. A million things to dislike and disagree with Joe Biden. His administration is just laughably unimpressive. Uh, Just a a cavalcade of wokeness. It's, It's completely inept. And to think they are running the most powerful institution on planet Earth is a uh, tad bit terrifying, I will admit. But Joe Biden didn't create this inflation. This inflation would have taken root uh, under a Donald Trump presidency, too. And so I've just gotten so... it, You know, you, you feel a little impotent sometimes because these are just facts. Inflation is actually defined as an increase in the money supply. What people mostly refer to it about is price inflation. But we so dramatically improve Increased the money supply over the last 14 years. Inflation was inevitable. And then you tack on 2020 during the Trump administration, where I believe we printed up something like six to ten trillion new dollars. And then Donald Trump gets out of office. Joe Biden steps in. And bad timing for Biden. He's going to make it worse. Don't get me wrong. He will make it worse. But it's the, it's so much of political dialogue is just simplistic. And it's not true. And it's propaganda from both parties. And it is very difficult for 9 to 11 a radio station in central Mississippi to cut through any of that stuff. Uh, I've tried. But people, it's easier. It's always easier to have a good guy versus a bad guy and blame all of the problems on the bad guy. This is we see this in foreign policy stuff, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I will admit to you that one of the things that is just a true frustration of mine, I've got this thing pulled up in front of me. And and this was uh, something I've talked about several times. I'm sorry to be repetitive, but I'm just going to make this point, and I'll let it lie, and I'll be done. You won't hear it again. But it was a a few months ago. Well, I guess this thing is dated. There's a tweet here, isn't it? November 5th. So I guess this was around, uh, around the midterms. Roger Wicker went to the Grip and Grin in Madison County. Here's the tweet from Roger Wicker. I enjoyed stopping by the Madison County Grip and Grin at Mama Hamels earlier this week with Michael Guest. We're just a few days out from Election Day, and it's important that every Mississippian get out to vote. And there is a picture of Roger Wicker shaking hands with a couple of guys, probably very nice guys, business guys in Madison. They look like Madison residents. And they are shaking Roger Wicker's hand and smiling. And I look at this picture and I think, are you this is the man that is currently promoting World War Three. I'm not talking about he's got a bad policy on taxes, even. I'm talking about this is a man who has asked for a no fly zone over Ukraine that is shipping $100 billion to Ukraine and weapons that is pushing the world towards nuclear annihilation. And I see a picture of Roger Wicker with a smiling Madison resident shaking his hand at Mama Hamels. And I realize I don't think there's any real waking people up until the bad thing happens. And maybe not even then. Now, I don't have any problems with the two gentlemen who are smiling with Roger Wicker in this picture. But what it just said to me, it's just an illustration of the capture that these politicians have on people. This idea that by buddying up and shaking hands and being in a picture with Roger Wicker, you're somehow on the team. Yet Roger Wicker will be perfectly content along with, along with. Dozens and dozens of other poli- people in Washington D.C. Roger Wicker's just our local guy. They're perfectly content taking your children and sending them half around the uh, way around the world to fight and die in the sand for nothing, to fight and die in the muck of Ukraine for nothing, or to have them fight and die in the uh, South China Sea for nothing. The man is promoting policies that could lead to a nuclear World War III, and he's greeted at Mama Hamel's with grips and grins. And nothing really made me feel more impotent Or this show, realizing I don't reach enough people, or I reach the people and I don't really convince them of anything. Or maybe it is just this, this celebrity. Oh my gosh, I'm with a celebrity. He's on the TV. He's got a bunch of power and he wants to shake my hand. I don't know. It, it feels icky to me. So that has been tough. And facing, I've thought many times, you know, if I was ever to do an, another show, what I would, what my dream show would be is a, is a rock show with commentary. You know, back in the day, you used to have real rock DJs. Yeah, I'm old. And they would be able to just kind of talk about stuff, and they became personalities on the air. Now it is mostly pre-programmed the hits. And this may be my upbringing with a sister who worked for WZZQ, which I am going to honor at the end of the show, by the way. I'm actually kind of excited about this, but uh, uh, WZZQ was an album station. It was known as album rock, meaning it played the deep cuts, not just all of the hits. Rock music now takes about the same 100 songs of the last 40 years and plays them in a loop with very little personality. I would love to do a show because I so much love music, and I believe I've spent six years now uh, at the gym. I listened to pretty pretty hard rock, alternative rock, uh, when I'm at the gym. And every time I hear a song, I go, ooh, that would be great bump music. And I would stop and stop whatever I'm doing and take a screenshot of the the album cover and the song title so I could remember to try to cut it up and make it a – I've spent six years doing that because I think music sets a tone. I think it would be fantastic to do a show where you could play any music that you wanted to to kind of set the stage and then intersperse it with just what I believe is freedom commentary cutting down. I've enjoyed chopping away at the political class the best I could for the last six years. And that would be a dream job for me, so uh, we'll see. Uh, I probably will continue to podcast to some degree. I currently have a podcast of over a thousand shows now of the Mike Madison Show here at WYAB, and you can look for it, the Mike Madison Show, but if anything of the show is of any interest to you and you'd like to hear more, there will be a possibility that Uh, Going forward, I still don't really know what my work schedule is in the new career, but going forward, I probably will put some stuff out. I think getting this stuff bottled up into me, listening to the political propaganda and not being able to respond to it may drive me insane. I may need an outlet, so check out The Mike Madison Show. Subscribe to that and just watch for notifications. Got to take a break or I'll be here. It's been a ride.
0: Everybody.
2: I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, Just follow me.
1: I have spent a lot of time in the past six years talking about economics, uh, whether that uh, <laughs> uh, has been entertaining or informative or not. I don't know, but it's, uh, I am a self-professed economics nerd. Uh, there's things I could get into, but I'm just going to read a quote here. There's a guy named John Rubino. You can find him on YouTube. He's a financial commentator. He's an investment guy. Uh, I, I like his stuff. I think he's interesting. But I just ran across this quote this morning, or a piece that he has written. I haven't even read the whole thing, but the first part of it got me. I'm going to read it to you now. Uh, John Rubino writes, uh, Most people, especially most Americans, still seem to think, still seem to view the events of the past half century as more or less random. Booms and busts erupt, erupting out of nowhere, impoverishing all but a handful of lucky elites, political crises that end up dividing rather than uniting, wars that cost fortunes and resolve nothing. Everything is bad, and nothing is related to anything else. But of course, that is not true. Each of the above events serves the same purpose to enrich a modern aristocracy at the expense of everyone else. And the end game is looking even worse. I think he's exactly right when you really understand that all of the things, the booms, the busts, the wars, it doesn't matter. These things that we look upon as crises, uh, they are always serving. They're always serving the same people. Do you ever notice that they keep coming out on top? And that's really the story of economics. We've got a debt-based society. We've been sold, and the political class has shepherded us here. It's a, it's a faux prosperity but it enriches a certain segment of the society, and it's a teeny tiny uh, segment of that society, central bank at the core of that. And so hopefully if there's one thing I've done, I've spent my time sufficiently bashing the Federal Reserve and what they have done to this country uh, when it comes to our economic system. It's a shame that we didn't get out ahead of that as they had before, Andrew Jackson smashing the uh, previous central bank. Uh, but the consequences of that are coming. I hope, you know, there do seem to be a lot of people waking up. It's going to be interesting as an observer going forward. If I see more freedom fighters, more people waking up to things, it seems like it's starting to happen. It's not rapid enough for my taste, but uh, we'll see. I'm trying to take the white pill. Be right back. <gasps> We are back. This is The Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB, and the final live version of The Mike Madison Show as I head off for a new adventure in my life. Uh, I'm one of these people. I've got some wanderlust, and there's nothing like, uh, (laughs) in middle age, completely upending your career and trying something brand new. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, <clears throat> I am I am moving on. The show won't take on its normal format today. I'm going to do a little bit of foreign policy stuff because it's been something I've harped on since the day I came on air. Uh, I think we have have really been misguided to allow uh, what has taken place in our name. I'll talk about more that more in a minute. But I I appreciate the people who have who have reached out to me by email and uh, and said very kind words. This is a very strange medium if you've never done it. Uh, Over-the-air radio, <clears throat> I know the trend now is uh, you're not going to find any videos of the Mike Madison show anywhere. I'm not on YouTube. I've barely done anything to market the podcast whatsoever. Well, barely is even a generous word. I've done not much of anything. But if you do a YouTube or you do a podcast, you get you know, you know get counts. I know people, certainly Joe Rogan gets 10 million people a week to to watch his podcast. There's no counting when you're sitting behind a microphone. You don't know if you're reaching... One person, 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people. It's a very strange medium. And uh, myself, I just did not do a caller-generated show. I think it's because I'm a simple person. And, and a lot of times calls would take me in directions I wasn't prepared for. And because I've got such a, a different point of view on things, I, I chose to kind of keep the show in a more orderly uh, direction. But because I don't have a whole lot of feedback, I haven't done a text line or anything like that, you really wonder. And it's been very interesting over the past few days to get emails from people I've never heard from before. I've had a lot of communication with people, particularly uh, with regards to the health show. And I'm so thrilled that Allison Noe <clears throat> will continue to do the health show. It looks like it's going to be on Tuesdays, I think, from 9 to 10. Very, She's better qualified to do that show than I am, so I think you're only going to be getting a better product going forward when it comes to a natural health show that I think is so important. So I've communicated with a lot of people, particularly about the health show, providing show notes and information on stuff I've covered. Uh, luckily, that will continue to go on. But it's been very interesting to hear from people. I've never seen their name, never seen an email from them. And it's just interesting. You just never really know who is uh, who's listening to the show at any particular time. So I appreciate the kind words. And if anybody wants to send me out with a kick in the butt, you can also... Uh, <laughs> You can send a big good good riddance to mike madison at w y a b dot com um foreign policy stuff it's probably it's to the libertarian party to libertarians uh philosophically the endless wars have got to end They're not serving us. It is really one of the cornerstones of libertarian thought. And do I need to go back and read the Founding Fathers who said, Peace and commerce, entangling alliances with no nation, a perpetual war will strip you of your liberties. They warned us. Eisenhower warned us. I am just really playing off their very accurate description of what will happen to the country if you have an overgrown military that is trying to run an empire around the world. If you've noticed, many have come and gone, and our days may be numbered a couple of quick quotes from george orwell about that just to c- keep in uh, mind as well war against a foreign country only happens when the moneyed classes think they are going to profit from it george orwell also said and i think this is something we really need to notice all the war propaganda all the screaming and the lies and the hatred comes invariably from people who are not fighting and I am, uh, I am a former neocon, warmongering Republican. And I'm ashamed of that period of my life where they tricked me into believing that uh, all of these enemies around the world were coming to take my stuff. If we did not offer up a world empire and 900 bases around the world, it's quite simply not true. And I believe, now I'll make the final plea for it here, is that a Christian nation— Full of moral people should not allow our government to do what it is doing in our name. There's a lot of talk always about Hitler and Stalin and Mao and the great atrocities that they committed on their people, but when you look at the body count of the past 20 years, 30 years, 500,000 children died in Iraq due to U.S. sanctions during the 1990s under the Bill Clinton regime. A Christian nation of moral people. Should not sign off on that. And I know it's out of sight, out of mind, but it's an important issue. It's bankrupting our country, and it is couched so strangely. Uh, we've been bamboozled by every administration since Eisenhower to believe that we are besieged by enemies, and we must at all times act aggressively to fend them off, and they call it. Air quotes here in the studio, American leadership. Or air quotes here in the studio, American exceptionalism. They've sold us the war machine, again. George Orwell said, war against a foreign country only happens when the moneyed classes think they are going to profit from it. These are not humanitarian operations. These are wars, aggressive wars of for power and profit. And the biggest threats to your freedom and your way of life here in the United States is not Iran— It's not North Korea. It's not Russia. It's not China. It's the threat from your own government. If you want to look at your quality of life, your children's future, the threat is not coming externally. It's coming from here. The debt is a very real threat to the future of this country and the lives of Americans. People don't believe it because it hasn't happened yet. But just remember my words and my warnings on this issue. Chairman Xi, Vladimir Putin... Or the Ayatollahs in Iran will not turn your life upside down. The people you keep electing will. The central bank, the Federal Reserve will turn your life upside down. The medical system we have seen on steroids the past two years has turned many people's lives upside down. Big pharma will turn your life upside down. But they, they get away with these things largely because they are able to constantly point the finger outside of our borders and tell us that it is our duty to watch for these dastardly enemies that we have. Now, there's a thing here. That I, this is one thing that has been very interesting over my six years here. I think the tide is turning on this. And I'm especially proud, happy, um, that the Republicans seem to be leading this. It is Republicans that are opposing the endless funding of Ukraine and the threat of war. Well, except for the Roger Wicker types. But the Republican voters seem to have caught on to this. As I said, they duped me, too, through the 1990s. It was about 2004 before I realized what a horrific thing the psychopaths in Washington, D.C. were doing to people around the world, not for our national security, but for their own moneyed interests. Uh, George Galloway, he was a member of the British House of Commons. I don't know if he's in labor or if he's a Tory. I don't know if he's a, a liberal or a conservative uh, over in England, but he actually gave some truthful testimony to the Congress of the United States not long ago, and I love I love people who speak truth to
2: power. It's a proven fact. It's a proven fact that these forged documents existed and were being circulated amongst right-wing newspapers in Baghdad and around the world in the immediate aftermath of the fall of the Iraqi regime. Now, Senator, I gave my heart and soul to oppose the policy that you promoted. I gave my political life's blood to try to stop the mass killing of Iraqis by the sanctions on Iraq, which killed a million Iraqis, most of them children. Most of them died before they even knew that they were Iraqis. But they died for no other reason other than that they were Iraqis, with the misfortune to be born at that time. I gave my heart and soul to stop you committing the disaster that you did commit in invading Iraq. And I told the world that your case for the war was a pack of lies.
1: Now, what's interesting about this? I'm watching this on a video. This is senators. I see Carl Levin, uh, one of the other guys. He may not still be in Congress. These are some of the people who voted to take us into the Iraq War based on lies. Not it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an oopsie. Oh, we didn't. No, they knew. They knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. Uh, but these senators that are up there behind their mahogany desk. You know how they sit above everybody else in these congressional testimonies. Uh, They're completely uninterested in what this man said. He's explaining uh, that the lies of these politicians cost the lives of a million people. Uh, These senators really look like they don't need to be bothered with that. They're really uninterested. They're shuffling papers. they're, They're reading something while he's giving this testimony. And this was a long time ago. This was before the millions and millions more died in these endless wars. And just the craven nature of these people to start these wars, inflict these kind of casualty counts, have this much death and displacement and disability of other human beings who just had the misfortune of being born into a certain region of the world at a certain time, that these people are all victims and these senators, they're really completely unaffected
2: by this. I told the world that Iraq contrary to your claims, did not have weapons of mass destruction. I told the world, contrary to your claims, that Iraq had no connection to Al-Qaeda. I told the world, contrary to your claims, that Iraq had no connection to the atrocity on 9-11-2001. I told the world, contrary to your claims, that the Iraqi people would resist a British and American invasion of their country And that the fall of Baghdad would not be the beginning of the end, but merely the end of the beginning. Senator, in everything I said about Iraq, I turned out to be right and you turned out to be wrong. And 100,000 people have paid with their lives. 1,600 of them American soldiers sent to their deaths on a pack of lies. 15,000 of them wounded, many of them disabled forever. On a pack of lies if the world had listened to kofi annan whose dismissal you demanded if the world had listened
1: and that's what it is it's a pack of lies and this has been interesting i have really couched the idea of supporting the troops in a totally different way here for the last six years we do a lot of a lot of great organizations out there that help veterans when they come home uh, many of them wounded. Wounded Warrior Project. We've got all kinds of organizations. Fifth Squad that comes out and they help uh, veterans. I have always thought the best way to support the troops, if you care about our soldiers, those who volunteer to serve in the American military, one of the best things you could do is stand in the gap and stop these psychopaths in Washington, D.C. from throwing them around like meat puppets around the planet in wars of choice, wars of aggression, that only benefit the moneyed classes. That seems to be a more efficient way to actually support the troops, to protect their lives, to protect their health, to show them appreciation. It's great to give them a handicapped, capable home when they come home once the deed has been done. But wouldn't it be great if we could actually spare their lives and keep them intact and back in the United States protecting us where they belong? You know, I am very aware uh, that a lot of the stuff that I've covered for the past six years is not heard on conservative talk radio anywhere. Um, I was in talks before I came to WIAB. I was in talks with uh, one of the uh, WGOP radio stations about doing a show there. And I <clears throat> had been doing a podcast just to get behind the mic and get comfortable with it for a while. And so I started sending them some, I guess, what you would consider audition tapes. And it was very interesting. I got some good, helpful feedback, you know, tweak this, tweak that, do this. Uh, But my subject matter never changed. And it was kind of funny. I thought I was really progressing. I thought I was at the cusp of getting a show with one of these stations, a big one. And then they ghosted me. And it was a little disappointing at the time. I thought, well, that's really strange. They seemed kind of enthusiastic about it. Now they're not talking to me at all. And then I realized... (laughs) They were never gonna put my material on their WGOP radio station. I am very aware that the stuff I talk about, foreign policy, two party system stuff is not heard on conservative talk radio. It's just not. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about the freedom of that in this great radio station here to allow something different to be broadcast, uh that's it's unique, it's rare. But it was funny, I I started on january third of twenty seventeen, and I replaced Herman Kane, who was a uh, you know, a very establishment Republican guy, probably a very nice guy. He ran for president. He was the CEO of Godfather's Pizza. All the typical Republican credentials and talking points. And he was a black guy, so he got some extra attention. But he had a show, and he stopped his syndication, and I filled his spot. And uh, within the first couple of days, I was uh, came on conservative talk radio talking about ending the drug war. <laughs> and the station heard about that. Who in the hell just replaced Herman Cain, our establishment Republican hero, with this radical—I I suppose people thought I was some kind of a hippie—between my foreign policy stances uh, about peace and ending wars and my desire to see the disaster that is our drug war ended. People didn't know what they were listening to, so I'm, I'm very familiar with— uh, being outside the mainstream. as I've said, you know there's an Overton window of what's allowed to be said on the Republican side. There's a reason the Republicans don't talk about the Federal Reserve system because they benefit from it. You don't. Go to the grocery store, try to find some eggs. See what you're going to pay for that now. That's, that's Federal Reserve created. And so they don't talk about these things. And it was just, it's really very funny. I've just loved having a platform where I can put this stuff out. And I hope, if nothing else, uh, health is probably the most important thing that I got into. I want to see people escape from the medical system. But I hope that uh, people's eyes have been opened about this warfare, this constant warfare, the bankrupting nature of our Defense Department, the corruption of Lockheed Martin and the defense contractors. There is a story right now, you know, recently there's been this uprising in Brazil, very reminiscent to people, kind of being couched the same way as the January 6th protests here. A conservative president, Bolsonaro, was beaten supposedly by Lula, the more liberal candidate. And there's been a massive protest about that. And to a lot of Americans, they look at that and they go, oh, look at that. Another leftist cheated uh, the right, just a guy that's very similar to Donald Trump. They cheated him out of an election. Look at that. The Brazilians aren't putting up with that crap. Would you be interested to know that maybe there's other hands behind that? This is a story by Pepe Escobar. It's just a. this is illustrative. I don't have enough time to get into specific foreign policy things today like I normally do on Fridays. But uh, this is just another story to tell you when you see the news, when they come out with the talking points on the right or the left or the mainstream media. Don't take them at face value. A former this is again from a piece by Pepe, Pepe Escobar a former US intelligence officer uh, official has confirmed that the uh, shambolic Maidan remix Maidan that was the uh, the protest that were created by the west by NATO and the United States in the overthrow of the Ukrainian government in 2014 that they never mentioned these days but they have recreated that a former US intelligence official has confirmed Uh, that this new protest movement in Brazil on the 8th of January was a CIA operation and linked to the recent attempts at a color revolution in Iran. On Sunday, alleged supporters of former right-wing President uh, Bolsonaro stormed Brazil's Congress, Supreme Court, and Presidential Palace, bypassing flimsy security uh, barricades, climbing on roofs, smashing windows, destroying public property, including precious paintings, while calling for the military coup as part of a regime change targeting elected President uh, Luis uh, Lula de, uh, de Silva. So when you see these big protest movements, understand that what they're telling you this may not be, is just as simple as a stolen election. Once again, we have got the, the hand of the CIA in fomenting More revolutions around the world. When you see the protests in Iran, God knows the Iranian government does terrible things to their people. I wouldn't want to live under the ayatollahs in Iran. I hope those people do fight for their freedom. But when you see a protest movement there, don't believe that it is just some groundswell, some organic thing. These things do sometimes happen. But understand, our hand is behind a lot of this. And there are now going to be a lot of Brazilians in jail. going to be a lot of lives ruined. going to be a lot of chaos in Brazil. Maybe a military takeover of the place. If the CIA has a hand in it, it's just another attempt by the U.S. federal government, the psychopaths who run it, to install somebody that will do their bidding, Brazil known to have plenty of natural resources, and somebody who is planning on joining, uh, actually a founding member of the BRICS Association. So I'm just saying that. And there is just one other story I can't stop without saying. There's been another big escalation in this Ukraine thing. If there's anything you need to get out ahead of, it's that. There's a peace march in on February the 19th up in Washington, D.C., that I'm actually trying to figure out if I can get to. My new work duties with a brand-new job a couple of weeks in, I'm not going to be able to take off a week to go up there and really enjoy it. I'm trying to figure out if there's a way I can crisscross the country while still getting my work done and get to this peace rally on February 19th. It is the Libertarian Party and the People's Party. It's the Libertarian Party that believes that our federal government should be microscopic, doing nothing for anybody, freeing all of us, uh, joining hands with the People's Party, which probably believes that the government should be doing everything for us, giving us universal basic income. These two groups could not disagree more on more issues, yet their leaders of the Libertarian uh, Party and the People's Party are joining hands and saying nothing really matters if we're all suddenly involved in a nuclear conflict with Russia, and so they are joining hands, not fighting the ridiculous left-right battles on Twitter, but joining hands and going and demanding a negotiated peace to what's going on between Ukraine and Russia right now. The Ukrainian ambassador to uh, Great Britain, to the U.K., has come out and said, of course Ukraine's going to become a member of NATO. This is actually a provocation. It is Vladimir Putin's stated red line for decades. Ukraine will never be a member of NATO. And for the Ukrainian ambassador to go and provoke more, to basically say, we're going to do that one thing that will certainly kick off a war. If you want to get out ahead of anything, this is the thing to get out ahead of. Roger Wicker's phone should be lit up with Americans, particularly unless you want to see your child, your graduate of Brandon High School or Madison Central or JPS. You want to see your graduate uh, snatched up in a couple of years to be shipped off halfway around the world to fight in a nuclear exchange. This might be something we get out ahead of. Uh, The foreign policy in this country should not be allowed by a Christian nation with good moral people, and we are good moral people. We've been hoodwinked. As Carl Sagan at the, said at the beginning of the show, we've been bamboozled on this. It's just a huge issue, a core tenet of the Libertarian Party. These wars are sold to you. They're manufactured and sold like any other product for profit for these people. It's not about national security. Quit by leaving. I'll be right back. What's the frequency can All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, the final live Mike Madison Show from WIAB as I move on to a new adventure, and I think it will be actually quite an adventure for me. Um, one relationship I will maintain while staying friends. I just love the station. More on that in a second. But uh, I will maintain my relationship with Steinington Farm, and I want to go out making sure that you do as well. Uh, stoningtonfarm.com This is Mississippi-born, raised, and processed beef raised with no hormones, no antibiotics, and grass-fed the whole way through. Now, I do a lot of live reads for them sometimes uh, because it it hits my passions. It's local, small business here in Mississippi. You're getting meat that is a better nutritional profile from being grass-fed, no hormones, no antibiotics. You're getting a better cut of meat, and the prices are the same or less uh, than they are at the grocery store. You can go to Stonington Farm. It's S-T-O-N-N-I-N-G-T-O-N farm.com. stoningtonfarm.com You'll see everything they offer, and then you'll call a phone number. You're going to actually talk to uh, Katie Stonington down there. She's going to find out what you're looking for. She'll make some recommendations, and they will put together a package of whatever you need. You want five ribeyes for a party coming up, or you want a freezer full of meat because you're preparing for the apocalypse. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they are ready to serve you. Again, that's Stonington Farm. Uh, I hope you will continue to support these people. I'm actually planning on making a trip down to the farm. I still have not gotten down there to see it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I am planning on heading down there to see see and meet my next meal. Uh, Also, to pick up my next large order of Stonington Farm. The flavor's fantastic. It's just, I can't say enough good things about these people. Uh, As I ride off into the sunset, make sure that you remember and bookmark stoningtonfarm.com to get good, nutritious meat at a great price from a locally-owned Mississippi rancher. Um, I did not have this week on the crazy train. so funny. I put so much work into that segment. I don't think people understand. I, I came every one of those segments with probably 15 to 30 different clips I've cultivated during the week, and then I had to organize them and try to time them without running my mouth during them to get through all of them. It was so much work. And I'll be honest, I didn't get a ton of feedback on that until the past couple of weeks. I guess it's good. People have said, I I really love that segment. People occasionally would ask to get one of the clips. I tried to play some good funny stuff, but it has been this week on the crazy train. And as I've said, as I chronicle the world's descent into madness, uh, let's hope it's a pendulum. I'm okay with entertaining the idea that we are on a pendulum and we have swung as far to the insane side as we possibly can. And it's at its apex and maybe we're sliding back. There are good signs of that. As I say, I'm looking for a white pill. And so we won't do uh, necessarily this week on the crazy train. I'm going to give you one piece of advice real quick. In this pitched battle between, again, the vast majority of conservative talk radio and, and political talk is the existential battle between the left and the right, which I have rebelled against for six years here. I know a lot of great Democrats that are not insane. I would say during the course of my libertarianism, I've got five to ten people in my life that have become pretty staunch libertarians. I didn't scream at them and tell them they were stupid. Most of them were Republicans. A couple of them were Democrats before. Democrats who were just as fed up with their party as Republicans are with their establishment and their party. And so I just talked to him. I, I don't know if I've created any people. I, I didn't, I'm not here to try to create libertarians. I am trying to get you to demand more. I talked to mostly conservatives of the Republican Party, and I don't believe the Constitution has an asterisk at the end of it. I don't believe there's anything uh, that where you can talk about the Constitution but then just say, but we had to run up you know, $1.6 trillion in debt during the Trump administration. He gets a pass on that because COVID, because... This, because uh, the Republicans have got an asterisk behind everything in the Constitution, and I believe uh, the Republican voter, the conservative, the limited government people, the free people out there should demand that they remove those asterisks and get this government back to the size it's supposed to be. But when you're talking to people, if you want to win this battle, I don't know if you've noticed screaming at other people on Twitter is not working. You're more polarized. The Democrats have won three out of the last four elections. And I've talked about it before. Adopt a Democrat. (laughs) Now, don't go in trying to sell them the Republican Party. That's not going to work. That's the beauty of being me. I don't have to carry water for any tribe. All I do when I get into a political conversation is go, both of these political... I can't stand politicians. They're all corrupt. And every time I get a head nod, I don't care if I'm talking to somebody on the hard left or hard right. They know that's correct. If you want to win these things... uh, Cutting off your cousin from coming to Thanksgiving dinner, that's not getting you anywhere. I'm not well-suited. The only maybe benefit to not doing this show, and I'm going to miss it, but maybe the only benefit is I'm I'm not wired for today's world. Today's world in political conversations is really about saying the most aggressive, insulting, and outrageous thing you possibly can at other regular human beings like us uh, to go viral. And I have absolutely no interest in that. There was a time in my life when I was younger where I might have found some of the trolling entertaining. There are some very funny people. I do agree with fighting everything with humor. The right is knocking the cover off the ball when it comes to memes, quippy little uh, funny things funny things that point out the absurdity that would normally be reeling right now and the, this week on the crazy train. Uh, the right's been fantastic at that, and I think it's very effective. But screaming at somebody, insulting them, uh, it, it, it's become almost a badge of honor to be hated by the most number of people possible. Ooh, I really pissed them off yesterday. That's, I'm not wired that way. I'm not a pacifist, but I understand from my perch, my philosophy is we're all getting screwed by the same people. Me fighting my neighbor? What good does that do? It's not even good for our own mental health. I've railed against social media for six years. <laughs> I think it's been incredibly damaging uh, to people, and I think our, our minds. I, I don't think we're—I don't, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy. So ask questions of people who— may disagree with you. The left has got absurd positions to try to cover. There's no logical way to defend a lot of the things on the left. I ask some questions, get them to answer them themselves. Sometimes I've noticed whenever I'm talking politics to people, I'm mostly asking questions. I've walked several people down from the climate hysteria because I just point out the fact, well do you really think the World Economic Forum, I mean, aren't you, you know, for people on the left, aren't you against the billionaire class? Isn't that because that they're the ones running. It's BlackRock. It's World Economic Forum. It's the Davos, Switzerland country club group that is running the climate hysteria. Have you noticed that? Does that not strike you as strange? You can, you can wake people up. And if you want to be successful in some level of uh, getting more people on your side to possibly turn this culture to turn this country, Screaming at him on Twitter and Facebook, unfriending people, retreating to your bubble, saying the most outrageous, insulting things is doing nothing but entrenching the other side. And that's advice for both people on the right and the left. Calling every Trump supporter a Nazi. You're not making a point. You are hardening their position. So if you want to see the pendulum swing a little faster... I think people, and, and I'll be accused that probably a lot of people don't like this show because I seem to be so kumbaya and I talk about liberals that I like. I find that strange. Again, we're a moral Christian country. We should not wallow in the hatred of other people that we don't know anything about. We don't know their stories. We don't know where they came from. We don't know what they've been through. We're all just a, a collection of all of our experiences. People are raised in different circumstances that affects their world view and you can engage a lot of them in conversations. There's 20% of the people probably that are completely lost. Don't waste your time. Well, there's a good chunk of the the population. If you're not trying to sell them the Republican Party, if you're not trying to sell them Donald Trump, you may actually come to a lot of common ground. You might keep your friends, keep your relatives. It's unhealthy to do all this separation of stuff. And I'm going to – I didn't read this earlier, and I wanted to. I'm going to – I'm going to read this one quote. I meant to do it with my foreign policy stuff, but I think it's so important I can't go off the air without repeating it again. This was Hermann Goering. He was one of the, uh, the Nazis during World War II. Asked about wars. Hermann Goering said, why, of course, the people don't want war. Why would some poor slob on a farm want to risk his life in a war when the best that he can get out of it is to come back from his farm in one piece? Naturally, the common people don't want war, neither in Russia, nor in England, nor in America, nor for that matter in Germany. That is understood. But after all, it is the leaders of the country who determine the policy, and it's always a simple a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it's a democracy or a fascist dictatorship or a parliament or a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. That is easy. All you have to do is tell them that they are being attacked and denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to danger. It works the same way in every country. And it's worked the same way on America, too. And I could take that to a political discourse as well. But these are all... (laughs) These are things I've hoped to just inject into people's brains. You know, one of the things about Ron Paul, he said things I didn't agree with originally, but I couldn't unhear them. They kind of stuck in my brain, rattled around, and made me uncomfortable until I started realizing the logic of the things that he was saying, and I hope that maybe I've put a couple of those nuggets into the minds of listeners to this show. Be right back.
2: From all over the world, this is Captain America calling. I built you up when you were down on your knees, so will you catch me now, I'm falling.
1: All right, final segment for the day. This is going to be a wrap on the show. Um, I hope that my finale was not as bad as the Seinfeld finale. I heard Game of Thrones did not end well, and I'm about halfway through it right now. I finally, after, what, eight years, got around to Game of Thrones. It is entertaining, uh, but I've heard that the the final season was bad, so (laughs) this may be one of those shows I go, oh, man, I really whiffed. But I definitely do not want to leave without thanking this radio station. W-Y-E-B, the other hosts here, the sales people here that have helped sell the show. That's not my forte, as anybody here at the station will tell you, and particularly the owner, uh, Matt Wesselowski. This, uh, I wanted to do a radio show for about 20 years um, just because I found the. I'm, I'm a consumer of talk radio, of conservative talk radio. I. Rush Limbaugh, I, I wasn't real political. I'd started a business. I had a sales territory that was from McAllen, Texas, all the way up to Oklahoma City. Austin, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, all the way up to Oklahoma City. And I even went over to Denver, Colorado, and sold stuff. And so I was in the car a lot, and uh, my business partner was a very conservative guy and told me about this guy, Rush Limbaugh, and I started listening to it. And boy, Rush kept me company on an awful lot of road trips. And then I found other... Talk radio. And so I'd always kind of wanted to do it, but uh, Matt here at the station gave me the opportunity to do it. And so it has been a fulfillment of 20 years of wanting to do it. What's most important to me and this radio station was the freedom with which I was given to do it. And I don't think people understand how rare that is. I've spoken to other people in the industry. I know. Something that goes there are things that are not allowed to be said at other places for commercial interests to keep uh to keep state money flowing in. WYAB has not done that. In an age where censorship is all through the news, you don't understand the amount of uh you know, corporate and other political censorship that is out there on talk radio airwaves. I think I've been about as radical as I could be, uh if I had a little more freedom, you might have heard some naughty words. But outside of that, I've pretty much said exactly what I want to say, said, and I've never been called back to the office to say, hey, you can't touch that. And so I've been able to do something here very unique, and I honestly believe I found the only opportunity, probably in the state of Mississippi, where I would be able to do that. So I can't thank uh, WIAB enough. The hosts here have been fantastic, too, and we disagree on on a lot of things, you'll you'll hear my show and then hear one of those shows. We disagree on those things. We're friends. I ain't mad at anybody. Not a single person out there am I mad at uh, for any of these things. Uh, and that's how I think that we should operate as people, too. But they've been absolutely wonderful to me, uh, and I've really enjoyed I appreciate hearing from people who have supported the show and never did the mainstream model. The two-party tribe stuff sells really, really well. And I understand it. It's, it's an emotional thing. This is a time where people are really your, your tribe feels like your only refuge there because the other side seems so nutso. Uh, so I, I understand it. But I never did that. And I've, the people that have hung in there with me, even though as I, I challenge another Trump presidency and criticized him through his four years straight into the heart of Trump company, country, uh, I appreciate hanging, uh, people hanging in there with me. And the truth is, I've pretty much over the last six years said everything that I want to say. And I felt even during the last year that I was getting a tad bit repetitive. Some people may be nodding their heads to that, but here, here's the summary of it. Somebody was asking me about this the other day. I was able to text them basically six years of my shows uh, in a single text into End the endless wars. They don't serve us. They're not, they're not for national security. They're for political power and profit. In the Federal Reserve, the income tax and the IRS, those things are not constitutional. They're not serving the American people. They should be talked about. They should be talked about at the Republican level and the Democrat level. For any Democrats out there, this is hurting you, too. That inflation, that was created by your central bank, and it's hurting you the worst if you're lower-income, working-class people. In the drug war, this has always been my toughest sell. We have created a police state that grew up around the drug war that has not worked. I'm a freedom guy. I believe I own my body. I can do with it what I choose to do. And I have to trust other people that they can do whatever they want to do, even if I disagree with it in the drug war. If it worked, then I might oppose the authoritarian nature of dictating what we can and cannot put into our body, but at least I would understand people's support of it. We don't have any drugs, we don't have any overdoses, we don't have any problems. I, I would understand that. I don't understand this. It's a massive failure. There's more people on drugs, there's more violence. And still we have these things that strip us of our freedom. So in the drug war, take control of your own health. Escape the medical system. There's never been a time that that's been more apparent to me, and that's through nutrition. Most of the things you suffer from are nutritional deficiencies. They're not lack of an Eli Lilly or Pfizer product. That's not where you will find your health. And I will say, going forward, this is going to be interesting times in our lives. Resist with every fiber of your, of your being, central bank digital currencies or any other control mechanisms through the Great Reset that they try to impose upon you. This is uh, absolutely, it's just, this is a no-go. And uh, I, I toyed around with a lot of names for this show, and I think what I should have named the thing uh, originally is ungovernable. <laughs> that probably would have been the most appropriate thing. This is my homage to uh, to WZZQ when off the air. I can't remember what year it was, but I was a little rocker, I was a little kid raised by my sister to be a big rocker. And I remember WZZQ switched from country, um, excuse me, from uh, album rock to country music. And at 6 a.m., they made this transition at 106.7, and I tuned in to hear the last of uh, WZZQ. And I remember hearing the last song they played was The Doors, This Is The End. And it still gives me chills when I hear the song, because I remember laying in my bed as a little kid and listening to this song and mourning the loss of WCZQ. I was a strange kid with some strange influences, but I was always a rock and roll guy. Uh, Anyway, I really do. I I appreciate everybody's support. the radio station as much as anybody else. For the listeners that have stuck around there with me, please continue to listen to Allison Noe and her health show from 9 to 10 on Tuesdays now. Continue to support Stonington Farms for your health and and get involved. Get involved in this system. We've got some weird times coming up. I'm I'm trying to take the white pill, but it's going to take more people being active. Have a fantastic weekend and going forward, good luck. Bye-bye.
0: No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now.